Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. So um, we're, uh, we're in 1 Corinthians 9, but here's what we're really, so this is what we're talking about here. The entire year we're talking about that. And so hopefully the question is, uh, you know, has there been some renewal this year? And I don't mean just mean general renewal, but this idea of like spiritual renewal, where you're feeling like, man, okay, everything isn't necessarily maybe perfect and your circumstances might not be exactly the way you want. But again, Jesus isn't waiting for all of those things to happen. We can be completely fulfilled and renewed regardless of what's going on. All right. Here's the interesting thing is, is we must remember this. All right. There, there is no renewal without repentance. And simply put, what that means is, is our brains, our minds, what we think about, the way we think, right, needs to change from our way to God's way. All right. That means that we're going to have to say oftentimes I'm wrong. And that may be one of the most difficult things to do spiritually. All right. That's like in our minds can be ingrained, like never admit you're wrong. Except if we're going to repent, we have to realize that we're thinking and oftentimes our thought pattern may not be entirely like secular from a perspective of, of, of it's just all out there in the world. But we have to repent of our own misguided kind of Christian thought process. OK, we all have that. OK, and so, again, if there's going to be renewal, me and you, we've got to dig into the word of God and our minds have to change to agree with God. Not with me, not with like the other church leaders around us, not any of those things, right? Well, uh, two weeks ago, Steve preached. This is what Paul said. Therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother to sin. All right. How is that sitting with you? That's heavy duty. Like, there's no way around that. I mean, we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of Christianity. I know, man, Christianity is great when we're like, man, everything's going my way. I'm getting what I want. And, you know, nobody's challenging me. Maybe we kind of have that view. But then here comes Paul and he's going, no, no, no. Here's the deal. Um, My concern for my brothers takes precedent over his own concern for himself or his own freedom. That, that is, don't discount how difficult that is, okay? Because here's the deal is, is the fortress around us in our heart and who we are is heavily defended, okay? And so it's really easy to read that and go, okay, I think what Paul was talking about is probably optional. And we have to remember, this, none of this is. This isn't optional. We can't say, I follow Jesus, but... My brother's got to figure it out for himself. 
Like, like it's not on me. I'm doing what I want. I have freedom. I'm going to do that. Okay. That is not the ministry of Jesus. Right. And so just remembering like, man, this is what we're getting down to. And it isn't a suggestion. This is Paul saying this is what it is to be a Christian. He's asking us to voluntarily give up our freedoms, okay? So here's the interesting thing, um, and we've talked about this before. In, in any healthy society, any healthy community, all right, there are three aspects that have to be present to make the community healthy, all right? One is law. Like, there has to be a morality. There has to be an agreement of things that are right and things that are wrong, okay? There's required to be freedom, Okay, like there has to be a level of freedom among the community. But the most vital of the three, right, is this what people have called in the past obedience to the unenforceable. And so much of what Jesus calls us to is unenforceable by people. Right? What, what, do I, what do I mean by that? Like your family group leader isn't going to sit there and look at you and go, Listen, I'm enforcing the fact that you didn't love your brother today. I don't know. I mean, we can put on like a really great exterior. This right here, more than anything, may show who we are as disciples. The things that aren't enforceable by humanity, by men. And this is one of them, is this idea of will I lay down my freedom? Now, I just will. I Am I doing that? Or do people just get in your way? Like, I don't want to spend this extra time. I've got to get my sleep. I don't want to get up that early. That's inconvenient for me. That's, see, that's one of the interesting things is, is when brothers and sisters and friends and people who are reaching out to, when it becomes an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience because we want to, like, cling on to our freedom. I don't want to wake up early. I don't want to stay up late. I don't want to, like, miss out on my show. I don't want to, you know, all of these things. Instead of going, you want to know what? For my brothers and sisters, I will be inconvenienced. And that's a good thing. That should be happening, right? Not just in theory. Let's open up. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 9. Man, I, 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 hopefully so. You've picked up the pattern. We're doing a chapter at a time. So, you know, like next week we'll be in chapter 10. OK, but hopefully you're reading ahead because this is good. I mean, we are getting down to it right here. And as you've known, Paul hasn't pulled any punches yet. I mean, he's been talking about everything. He's going to continue doing that um, again. Chapter eight, he got into this idea of um, just the freedom he has to to in, in his in his talk right here, he says, man, I'm free to eat meat sacrificed anywhere because there's no such thing as an idol. But I'm going to give that freedom up if it causes my brother to stumble. OK, and you can go back and listen to that. Um, remember, on our on our website, you can go back and listen to the podcast and get caught up on any of these lessons that you're missing. OK, um, but we're going to pick up in First Corinthians nine here. Um, and this is, again, Paul writing to a church that is um, giving him giving him a little bit of a hard time. All right, they don't necessarily think he's an apostle. They don't really respect his authority, except that Paul planted the church. And he lived with them for a year and a half. Like they knew who he was. He was interacting with them. And so in verse one, we'll pick it up there. He says this, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? 
Have I not seen our Lord, Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I'm not an apostle to others, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Don't we have the right to eat and drink? Don't we have the right to be accompanied by a Christian wife like the other apostles, the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or do Barnabas and I alone have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, or who shepherds a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law also say the same thing? For it's written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Or isn't he really saying to us, saying it to us? Yes, this is written for us because he who plows ought to plow in hope. And he who threshes should do so in the hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it too much we reap material benefits from you? If others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? However, we have not made use of this right. Instead, we endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who perform the temple services eat the food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in the offerings of the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. But I have used none of these rites, and I have not written this to make it happen that way for me. For it would be better for me to die than for anyone to deprive me of my boast. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast because an obligation is placed on me. And woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I'm entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? To preach the gospel and offer it free of charge and not make full use of my authority in the gospel. Right. We're going to stop there for a second and we got to go back and kind of dig in. Paul, what, what is Paul talking about here? All right. What is he saying? Because he's going through here. I got a little bug on my Bible there. Um, and, and, and think about it. We, where we want to put ourselves is in the place of the Corinthians when they were first hearing this. And, and we get an idea of what was going on in Corinth. We get an idea of what's going on because he's saying, you treat the other apostles different than you treat me. Like, how come things are okay when Peter comes around? How come things are okay when the other apostles come around? But I'm here, and you guys treat me, like, very disrespectfully. Like, you're, you're not helping me in any way with anything to sustain my life. But when other apostles come in, you guys are like, no, take care of them. And he's like, guys, shouldn't, like, I, I helped start the church here. Shouldn't, shouldn't it be different, right? And so he's bringing this up to these guys here. And he's telling them again, here's what I've decided to do, though. I have the right to all of those things, except I am going to set that right aside for one specific reason, okay? And here's the issue. This is the reason. Okay, we see this throughout this chapter. 
He says that I will endure everything so that we will not hinder the gospel of Christ. All right, so that's, this is one of those things we've got to like really stop for a second because if you've been in church any longer than like a year or a year and a half, what you think is you know what gospel means. And you may, but what's really, really fascinating about this is that we probably know two-thirds of the gospel. At least we like hang on to two-thirds of the gospel. And those two-thirds are, well, the gospel is that Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life and he died and he rose again for my sin. All right, and, and that's, that's part of it, but did you notice what we do also? We make the gospel about us. He, he did this for me. But we forget something because it's really great, and he did, except there's another aspect to this gospel, right, that he's saying, no, there's an expectation that comes with this, all right? Here's the, here's the thing over in Mark. This is what Jesus said. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. All right, the gospel isn't just information. It's not just this information. Jesus is like, no, you have to lose your life for the gospel. Like lose control of your life. Oftentimes we don't use the term gospel the way that they've used the term gospel. And, and in Christianity, oftentimes we can go, well, what's the big deal? So what if you define it differently? What if your boss defined payday differently than you? What if your boss thought, well, payday, that's just a day where like I count up my money and make sure all the ledgers are like in order. And you're going, no, payday is when you put money in my account. No, 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 no. It's okay for us to have two different definitions, right? You okay with that? You okay with your, with your boss? What about marriage? You okay with two different definitions? You get married and you're like, honey, my definition of marriage is we don't date other people. Okay, we're together forever, me and you. All right? But what if it's like, well, my definition's different, though. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay, really? We're going, absolutely not. But when we start, start talking about spiritual words, and we're like, oh, no, no, no. It's just a subjective thing that just kind of can mean all kinds of things to all kinds of people. And it just can't. All right? First and foremost, gospel is simply this. It's an announcement of a new king. That's it. It is a new king is coming. OK, the, the beauty of that is this king is sacrificial and loving and merciful. And he's giving his life up rather than telling the people, y'all need to do this for me. He's coming before the people deserve it. He's serving the people, but he is a king. And the gospel requires us to really ask the question, is he my king? Is he really my king in, in every respect of the word? Like the way I'm living, the way I treat people, the way I love people, the way I forgive, the way that I, I look at TV and entertainment and listen to music and all these things is like, I want to know what my king thinks about it. Because he's the one that's training us. He's the one that's teaching us. And again, this may be one of those things you're like, but I, I like the other definition of gospel. Like he died for me and I get forgiveness of sins. But here's the interesting thing about that is, is that becomes just consumeristic. Like what Jesus is good for is for us to take from him. Right. Except his gospel not only like brought people into a kingdom, but also said, now, now my people go out to bring more people in. 
All right. And, and oftentimes we just completely leave that part off as like that's optional, except it can't be. Three times in this chapter, okay, these are statements that Paul makes. I won't hinder the gospel. I must preach the gospel. I do everything because of the gospel. You start to get an idea the more you read, especially from Paul, is this is what fuels him, is gospel. There's this new king. I'm proclaiming the new king's message. The king is here. We aren't the king any longer. In fact, the, our Lord, who is generally us, has to die. It has to go away. They can't coexist with one another. All right. So, so can you imagine? There's a lot of hard talks that go with that. That's a lot of hard talks. I don't know anybody that when you start like getting in there, I know for me, you start poking and prodding around to where I don't feel comfortable. And I feel like, man, are you like, you know, like asking me what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what my beliefs are and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I rarely ever run into anybody. that's like, oh, that's easy. Go for it. Just probe around, man. All right. There's this defensiveness. And so there's part of this idea. I think that we have this idea and it's awesome that, oh, I'm preaching the gospel and it's me like just like skipping through life and like, hey, Jesus loves you. And that's great. OK. But it's like a third. It's like that's like an eighth. And we just go through and like, isn't this fantastic? This is great. But here's the deal is, is some people aren't excited. There's a new king. And there has to be some talks. We have to have some difficult talks like, is he really your king? And how you're living, right? This is what Paul is all about right here. Everything, everything we do, every single thing, it doesn't matter. When we go home afterwards, when we're in our homes, when we're, here's the thing is, this, this is what happens oftentimes. We, we, we're in really, we know how to behave in church. And then we go home, and now here's, here's what ends up happening, okay? Scenario. Post-church, Clemson, South Carolina, right? Like the Christian Mecca almost. It's like no one comes here is not a Christian. Except, you know what's fascinating, okay? Is you go and people go to lunch and you know who gets treated like garbage? Your hostess. Isn't that funny? I talk to, I talk to people who are waitresses and waiters and they're like, you know what Christians are? They're never satisfied. They're always complaining and they never tip. <laughs> right to somebody making like two bucks an hour and, and we're wrapped up we're like there's a little too much pink in this steak and we're getting on and I'm like hey you know here, here's why I say that you're going oh Keith that's so super no 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 because when we leave here then we start leaving parts of our life out where we are under the king and the king says as I've loved you you love others at the restaurant you're at right you, you obey that, okay? You don't steal from them. You know, you go, well, I don't ever steal from them. Well, here's the funny thing. Like, you take all-in coffee shop, okay? People know all-in coffee shop. They say, you buy a cup of coffee, you get one free cup after that. All right? You go, oh, but it's all right. It's cool if I get another one. No, you're a thief. The king says you can't do that. It don't matter how much homework you have. All right? When we go places, do we take care of places like we take care, like we would want our places taken care of? Do we respect like the owners of places we go to in town? Do we respect the, you know, we go, I just feel like this is where the rubber meets the road, where, where we can leave church and we leave all these aspects of our life out of it. 
Like, like I'm dating over here. I'm at a restaurant over here. I'm all these things. And those are all outside the realm of like Jesus being my king. But man, when I come to a Bible study, I know how to answer the question. Okay, that can't be anymore. That, that just can't. All right. If, that, if that's your jam, like, you know how to do it in a group that's like talking about the Bible. That's great. Right? It needs to be happening everywhere. When we go to Rodox, it needs to be happening. Okay, so if you're on Rodox and you're just messing with people and all that kind of stuff, stop messing with people. We should be a blessing at the Rodox if Jesus is our king. We should be inclusive. We should be like arms wide open, right? In everything we do, in every little thing, when we go to work, okay? I bet you I could ask each and every one of you. Somebody in here doesn't like their boss. Not Royce. Royce, <laughs> Royce loves his boss. <laughs> Royce's boss awesome. <laughs> Somebody in here, though, you don't like your boss, and you feel like you're justified in not doing your best at work. You feel like you're justified in gossiping, okay? Why am I saying all this stuff is because here's the deal. When I have a king, my king has told me how to relate to people. And that may not be easy, but I surrender to what my king is asking. Like, I believe in what he says, but, but you don't understand. He doesn't pay me enough. You don't understand. I'll, he's a jerk to me. Here's the interesting thing. The Corinthians were being jerks to Paul. Okay, keep that in mind. He's saying, listen, I'm willing to lay aside my freedom, not to a group of people that are all like happy and excited about him, about a group of people that have really been very disrespectful to him. Okay, so, so this is really, this is the thing right here. Let's, let's keep reading though, all right? Because he just cranks it up in verse 19. He says this, Although I am fr a free man and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. We got to just, I mean, that's one of those, that's one of those scriptures where we can go off and go, oh, yeah, you know, Christians don't really have to be that way. That was just Paul. Like, like we like the people. Here's the interesting thing is, is I love the people that stepped out of their comfort zone to reach out to me and not settle for my junk that I was set that I, you know, man, can I tell you, I wish there was some recording when I started studying the Bible because man, the things that I said, because I would not yield that I didn't know something. I just make it up. I just make, I did. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with a guy at lunch and he's talking to me about his quiet time. I didn't even know what a quiet time was. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been studying out this other thing. Like I picked up on the wording like really quick. I just made it up. <laughs> you know? Oh, man, what is wrong with you? Goodness gracious. But this is one of those things is, is we do love the people that step out of their comfort zone, that they confront us in love and honesty, and they like refuse to allow us to like veer away from God's will. And then we're like, but that was good for them. I'm glad they did that. I'm glad they did that for me. Except what Paul is showing us is this is the cycle of discipleship is we look at it and like, man, there were people who really stepped out of their comfort zone to, to love me well when I wasn't really lovable. And now Paul is saying, here's, here's what I do now. Like, this is how I view the entire world, okay? Is he's saying, although I'm free and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone. What do you think, what does that look like in your life? 
Okay, th- th- that's the question I've got to ask myself constantly. All right. At the end of the day, looking back, would anyone have accused me of being their servant that day? Would anyone this week have accused me? And I don't mean that you just, hey, listen, clean off the table. Yes, that's great. Take the plates. That's awesome. I'm not like downplaying that, but like, don't just grab onto that. Like, oh man, I took, you know, my roommate's bowl to the sink the other day. Okay, cool. All right. Let's ramp it up just a little bit. Okay. Let's bring it up just a little bit. But this is Paul and he's describing to me and you, this is the heart of a disciple. This is somebody who understands the gospel and it's changed him. Who else do you know in the world among the relationships and the people that you've met that you could honestly say they are a servant to everyone they meet? Whether it's word, like I'm serving you in word, I'm serving you in action, I'm serving you in love, I'm serving you in honesty, in whatever it is. This is, this is one of those aspects of our, of, of our like nation that, would, that does and would blow people's minds away when a group of people are like this. It is so distinctly different. It's so against our freedom. Right? Can I be your servant? Every, and this is the view that he's going through. He's viewing everything from this lens, but he goes on. He says to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Let me stop you for one second here. Wasn't Paul a Jew? This is fascinating right here to me, okay? Because Paul's going, no, I became a Jew to win the Jews. Hold up a minute. What are you talking about? You were were like a teacher of the law. You were a Pharisee. He's like, no, but you don't understand. I'm a new creation. When when I was born again, when I was baptized in Jesus, I became a brand new creation. I I didn't become like all of my history and now I'm a Christian. I'm absolutely brand new. I'm in Christ's kingdom And now everyone, that's the viewpoint, all right? And so oftentimes this is what we do is, man, pre-baptism, I was all these things and I want to keep all those things. He's saying, I'm not even a Jew anymore. In fact, I've got to, I have to be different to win the Jews, okay? To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. Though I myself am not under, uh, he goes on and he said, to those who are under the law, like, uh, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. To win those under the law. To those who are without the law, I become like one without the law. Not being without God's law, but within Christ's law. To win those without the law. There's a lot of law there. (laughs) To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all of this because of the gospel so I may become a partner in its benefits. This is pretty phenomenal right here. This is really good. Okay. But look at what he's talking about here. He's completely saying, you know, now does he, does he go and become a Jew in practice? Does he go become somebody under the law like in practice? Does he become somebody worldly in practice? Like, hey, let me go be worldly to win the worldly. No, no, no. But he's like, I can get to a place where I, I, we can talk about this. Like, I, I get it. I, I get where you're coming from. I understand. I'm not going to partake in that. He says, that's the thing is, you're not going to go and, and just completely abandon Christ's law. He says, actually, you'll, you'll magnify Christ's law, which is love others as he has loved you, okay? 
But so, so don't get, don't, don't get kind of caught up in that of going, oh man, so if I want to win, you know, whoever, um, man, if I want to win the bartender down there, I better spend a lot of time in the bar. <laughs> You're like, hey man, here's the deal. Like there's other times, okay, that you can like get to become and understand to be able to communicate the gospel. L- let me back up just like one second though, is that I I think it's like appropriate to bring up. When have you shared the gospel with somebody? Okay, and I don't mean, I don't don't mean in a way that you like see like in in our world doing it and what churches say sharing the gospel is, but when have you done something for the specific purpose of the gospel being revealed to somebody? All right, when, when was that time? How often does it happen? Because I think this is where Paul starts like really tearing apart our hearts a little bit of going, man, I say I follow Jesus, except I don't have any focus on the gospel. I don't really spend any time trying to get the gospel across to anybody. That, isn't that the church leader's role? Isn't that where we pay the preacher? Right? He, he's supposed to do that, right? I mean, goodness gracious. So I want, I want you to kind of like lock in. Okay, if, if, if your practice of Christianity is not matching up with what Paul is saying here, okay, here's what repentance looks like. I'm wrong. I got to change. Something needs to change, okay? He's using this word often. When, 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 okay? L- let's think of the Corinthians. Okay, we're about to have some Olympics here in about a week. I love the Olympics. They had a, they had a similar kind of thing. It was called the Isthmian Games. They were a really big deal. They were usually in between the Olympic Games, right? This was a big deal. But man, it was about winning, winning, winning. If you've been an athlete, what do you like better, to win or to lose? Okay, that's a no-brainer, okay? I don't care what you, don't be humble. Be like, wow, just how you play the game. Man, I want to win, okay? I don't, listen, when, when, when Clemson beats Notre Dame this year, I don't want Mike saying, well, just how you play the game. I'm like, you know. I'm like, listen, <laughs> whenever. But, but, but the point being is, is, is even in Corinth, there was a specific subset of the culture that was like, hold on a minute, Paul, what you're saying does not sound like winning. <laughs> okay. What, what you're espousing of giving up my freedom and being a servant to everybody. And like, what about you though, man? That doesn't seem like winning because winning in our world is like being over somebody and getting something from somebody, all right? So he's addressing that. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I am going to win, but I'm winning differently here. Let's read the last paragraph. He goes on in verse 24. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium, uh, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything, However, they do it to receive a crown that will, not, that will not fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I don't run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Okay, think about what Paul's saying right here. He's saying, man, I, you know, who, who was a greater like church planter in the new testament i mean paul was prolific 
I mean, he was planting churches. He was encouraging people from prison. I mean, this is amazing. And I think all of us would agree, if you were as dynamic and prolific as Paul was, we'd go, he's going to heaven, man. Except that wasn't even his standard. He said, hold up a minute. I can preach and I can teach and I can say things, but buddy, I better be real about my life. Okay, and he goes into it and he says, here's the deal. So after I preach to others, he says, so he won't be disqualified. How amazing is that? That Paul was like, I don't want to be disqualified from this. Right? Man, we're, we, we don't ever want to say that. We're like, no, no, no you can never be disqualified. It, it'd be like when we're watching the Olympic Games, okay? And I love like swimming, all right? Swimming's great. Now, if, you know, we kind of have this in mind, like the race starts and if somebody came up and just did like a cannonball right into the thing, like jumped off the high dive into the race, you go, you're disqualified, dude. Right. But if that was our but but if but in Christianity, we're like, cool, that's awesome. You can't be disqualified. You do it however you want to do it. Right. But it's so funny that the laws we have for the world are so different than what we have here. And Paul is just telling us, hey, man, this is this is for real in his life, too. Here's the interesting thing about this. Um, there, there's a few things that are required. There's a few principles I think we can draw out of this. Right? One of them is this, is, wow, there, there really isn't any change without accountability. All right, so what do I mean by that? If you've ever, you know, if you've been on a diet, if you've ever tried to start an exercise program, if you've ever done any of those things, um, some of you can kind of push through and maybe make it happen, but it's very different when you have accountability. When there's levels of accountability to go, I want to be just like this. Man, in my heart, I want to be just like Paul. I fought dreadfully short. Right? But the truth of the matter is, is brothers and sisters in my life, my wife, my other church leaders, all these things, I need them in my life to be serious about this. Because that's really what Paul's saying. Run to win the race. Like pretend if not, yeah. Well, just strike that. Don't pretend. Uh, but, but here's the deal. Right? That's the worst thing to say. You're like, dude, all right, dock me on that one for my paycheck. Uh, but, but here's the thing is, 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 um, is, golly, man, that pretend word just threw me off so bad, okay? I'm just like, let me get reoriented here. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. We'll get it. It's coming back anytime here. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll go to resilience right now. It'll come to me. It will come to me, I promise you, all right? Um, so, uh, just, this is part of it as well. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are fans of like, um, I like, I love boxing growing up. I mean, I was a big fan. I mean, I love watching, you know, Mike Tyson. I mean, I grew up, you grew up, man, Mike Tyson, right? And it was awesome. And it was really, really great. And here's the interesting thing. There's a, there's like a saying that boxers say, right? Sure. Sure, they say it. It's the same. Um, but here's the thing is, is they say, you know, everyone goes into the fight with a plan and the plan goes away. You know when it goes away? The first time you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right. Like it's easy to go in and go, man, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the plan. And then boom, right in the jaw. Then it's like, now what am I going to do? OK, here's the deal. That's happening to us spiritually is happening. Listen, Satan isn't like going, let me just be kind of gentle. Like, let me not oppose them. Let me not get in there. He's like, no, man, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And without resilience, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it doesn't knock you back. I'm not saying it doesn't put you on the mat sometimes, but going, hold on a minute. Let's get back going. 
Okay, not on my own, but like, hey, let's get going. I need help here. Resilience is one of those things where it's in short supply today. Okay. How resilient are you? Right? Do you get hit in the jaw? Do you get kind of slapped in the face and it's like you're down on the mat for three weeks? Right? Because you're just like, oh man, woe is me. This is so horrible and all that kind of stuff instead of like, come on. And, And here's the interesting thing. He talks about diligence here. He goes, I don't run like one running aimlessly. I don't box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline myself. I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Okay, so, so here's the thing is, again, would anybody accuse me and you of really being diligent? Like really focused, intentional in learning God's word and obeying God's word. Right. Would we be accused of that? Not just reading it, okay? I mean, listen, you, you can walk through Clemson and see all kinds of people reading their Bibles. But, but I'm talking about this idea of diligently going, okay, this is what I'm learning, and this is, this is what is happening in my life. This is what's real right here. Would we be accused of that? Like, there's a lot of heavy stuff in this section. There's a lot of things kind of make your head spin because you're like, oh, man, you know, this is, this is really tough. Where do I start? All right. A, a couple things. First of all, we always start in prayer. Always. All right. If, if, if we walk away from something like this and we're like, okay, I really need to change, but I spend no time praying. All right. That's really a rough first step. We have to be in God's word. We've got to study these things out diligently. Like studying out, like what's going on here? Now, here's the interesting thing about this is I don't even know. man. I don't know how many churches are in Clemson. I don't know how many churches are in South Carolina, the United States. I don't know. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I have no idea. Okay. I would guarantee you that there isn't one single one that doesn't have in some way, shape or form some scripture somewhere. Either the guy says it up front or it's painted on the wall or they say, listen, we're following the Bible or yeah, everyone has that in common, except we're a mess. We're, we're, we're the most ununified. You know, of, of, you, know you, look at, you look at Christianity in general, like, man, they're the most ununified. And you're going, well, how can that be? And here's one of the things I'll just kind of lay down. This is one of the things my teacher told me over and over again, right? right? Is a text or a proof text taken out of context is a pretext. Okay, what does that mean? It means that if I just cherry pick a verse and I go, this is what I want it to mean. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's how you get saved right there. Hold up. That's a great verse. That's an awesome verse. But a text taken out of context becomes a pretext, which means just a justification for what we want to do. Instead of going, hold on a minute. Is there more though? That's one of the things I really want to share is we diligently get into the Word of God here, okay? Let's finish up in Colossians chapter 3. So we're going to look at this, this, this diligence, this focus right here. This is one of my favorite sections of the Bible. This really kind of gives us some meat on this, Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. So if you have been raised with the Messiah, 
right? So that's just, hey, if you have been, if you've been raised with a Messiah, you became a disciple, seek what is above where the Messiah is, seated at the, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth, for you have died. Your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now you must also put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. All right, this is like super, you know, so, so here's the visualization that Paul is saying. He's like, listen, man, if we're going to be diligent, we have to be like laser focused, okay? It's like, it's like sniper, not shotgun, okay? Like a shotgun, it just shoots. If you ever shot a shotgun, it just kind of blasts all over the place. You can walk up and it's going to shoot somebody within like, you know, whatever the radius is right there. A sniper, it's like, man, I've got to get, yeah, Ivy's like, really? Yeah, <laughs> right in the tonsil. No, uh, but, but, but here's the thing is, is a sniper, you look at is everything around what the sniper's looking at is all faded. It's what that one target is, right? And he's saying, if, if we've been raised, that target, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the Messiah, where, it's, where we're so locked into him, like everything else around us is just fuzzy. Everything is about that. Right there. Being a sniper, not, it's, sometimes we kind of, you know, just kind of throw all that stuff around here. And then finally, back in 1 Corinthians 9, it's interesting, it's interesting what Paul says here. He says that um, he does this for the gospel so that he may participate in its benefits. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23. Now, I do all this because of the gospel, so I may become a partner in its benefits. So you, you could walk out of here and go, man, Keith makes Christianity, like, what's so good about it? <laughs> Seems like it's a drag, man, you know? But here's the thing is, you have the gospel, great news, awesome news, the best news, man, it's, it's the fuel, it's the motivation for us. The gospel has expectations, that's what we've been talking about, but the gospel has benefits. That's an okay thing. Benefits are okay. Reward is okay. God talks a lot about that. All right. And Paul is saying, man, this gospel is doing this because I want to participate in the benefits of the gospel. Man, I want, I want to be with Jesus forever. And I want all of my family and all of my friends and all of my neighbors for eternity to be with Jesus. That is the benefit I want to participate in. All right. But again, we go back is being diligent about this, working together, okay? Being open with one another. I mean, it's all those things that we talk about being a really healthy community here. So, so again, um, let me see. I don't think I have anything else after that. I think that's it. That is it. Um, again, Paul comes in super light, right? 
I mean, Paul comes in, he's just like, hey, man, this is super easy. No, this is really tough. This is going to, um, here's the deal. There's some of you, you're going to be here, and it's just going to bounce off, and you're going to be like, I don't know what the big deal is. I'm, I'm fine. Everyone I know is fine. And that, that's part of it. But there's some of you in here, man, this is like burrowing its way so deeply into you. Okay, it is burrowing its way so deeply into you. And so here's the thing, is don't leave here with, without like, hey, I got to talk to somebody. Because here's the thing is, is we have a tendency to harden our heart over time. And so really at this moment is like that easiest time to pull somebody outside and go, can we talk? Can we go somewhere afterwards? Can we go to lunch? Can we get some coffee later? Can we talk at Rodox? Whatever it is, all right? Be, but, but if you walk away, if you've been convicted by God's word and you walk away from it, it makes it that much easier to harden our hearts again. Like we train ourselves to harden our hearts. Like I'm convicted I'm not saying anything to anybody. I'm not admitting anything this wrong. And then what we do is we train ourselves to do that every single week, right? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 